What's up, guys? It's Little D from FMF. When I'm not mixing gas and hauling ass, I'm listening to Big MX Radio. Hey, guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio. But when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, mfceo.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. started. Big MX Radio, brought to you by Fly Racing USA, is on the air. Fueled by passion, focused on motocross. W Wheels USA, Moto Ice Wrap, and Maxima USA make it possible to bring you the news, the interviews, and the point of views inside the sport of motocross. The gate's about to drop. On Big MX Radio. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast Show brought to you by FMF. Thanks to Donnie Emler Jr. and everyone at FMF for hooking us up with the exhaust systems that we love so much and uh, looking at one right now for a KX252 stroke 05 edition. But uh, with me on the line, guy that's been on the podcast at least 10 times prior to this, and we keep having him on because he's entertaining, he's knowledgeable, and uh, we just like talking dirt bikes to the guy because the guy's passionate about what he does. He is the motocross rehab specialista goes by the name of matt weller how's it going good brad how's it going hey not doing too bad my friend i'm in air-conditioned comfort i'm no longer laying bricks in the hot sun and uh yeah talking dirt bikes what can i complain about that's uh that sounds like a pretty good day to me um unfortunately air conditioner has broken my office so i am not nice and cool today but uh, that's part of it Fair enough. Well, we'll deal with that. Uh, talking dirt bikes is maybe a uh, uh, maybe a uh, slight reprieve from uh, or something that kind of like lessens the uh, uh, level of shitty that comes along with broken air conditioning. But uh, yeah, we'll, right. we'll see if we can brighten your day a little bit with some throttle therapy of the uh, speaking variety. You are uh, a, a guy who takes these sad, tired motorcycles and gives them a breath of fresh air, gives them life again. You've done it time and time again with different bikes, two strokes, four strokes, you name it. You do all the work yourself. Uh, for those who haven't already listened to the number of uh, podcasts that we've done in the past, tell us a little bit about uh, who you are, where you're from, and uh, what kind of work that you do. Well, uh, my name's Matt Weller. I'm from Ankeny, Iowa, just outside of Des Moines. Um, picked this up as a hobby. I just started uh, restoring bikes as something to do. Um, kept me busy, and uh, one thing led to another. I'd build one bike, and then I'd build another bike, and now it's basically turned into um, almost a job, so to speak. So um, that being said, trying to brand myself a little bit. Um, so I'm starting the, the MX Rehab page. Uh, by the end of the year, I will have uh, an official business up and going um, where I will be doing some customer work um, as well as still doing my own personal builds. 
There it is. Yeah, absolutely. Started about just wanting to uh, make a bike that, to be exactly what you want it to be. Of course, you work with uh, a couple of different brands that uh, fall underneath, like uh, uh, Vertex Pistons, Pivot Works. Um, there's the other ones, uh, like uh, Wrench Rabbit. Is it Wrench Rabbit? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Wrench Rabbit's um, one of our our company sort of speak that kind of encompasses everything yeah but uh we've got hot cams and cylinder works and hot rods and uh yeah everybody right here under one roof and you're also featured in a uh a pivot is a pivot works or a hot cams yeah it's a hot cams ad uh recently so you're you're... no actually that was two years ago oh okay uh, like april uh april of 16 uh, dirt rider was the first time it was issued so you're you're a big deal. Like this is this is a yeah. gigantic interview for me to have on. Like there's basically the hierarchy goes like McGrath, Carmichael, Weller. Yeah, I don't think so. Okay. I just happened to be in the right place at the right time when the photographer took the picture. Hey. Our marketing department liked the picture, asked if they could use it, and I said, of course. Yeah, timing is everything when it comes to photography, uh, and and getting you in there was paramount because uh, yeah, you, the the five, five is that five seventy two. Yep. Five seventy two in your program number one in your hearts, Matt Weller, uh, building a ton of beautiful different motorcycles, whether it be a uh, a KX five hundred, KX two fifty, KX one twenty five, Yamaha two fifty two stroke, RM one twenty five, couple of different years in there, I think, as well as a uh, RM two fifty. Uh, in a very short period of time, you you've seen your garage. Uh, be the home of a number of different motorcycles, including a KTM 520. You've, you're doing all this work. You're working on these bikes. I got to imagine that throughout all of this work, you're not only learning a lot about uh, your skills uh, with a, a wrench in your hand, but also about these different manufacturers, how they construct these bikes, and maybe some also, what are some of the the do's and don'ts as far as buying bikes that uh, may or may not be a lemon? Well... Every single manufacturer is different. Um, they do have a lot of similarities, and they also have a lot of differences. Um, yeah, with every single build, I, I mean, I learned something new, um, whether it's from one Honda make to another Honda make or, you know, from one Kawasaki to another. They all have little, you know, quirks about them. Um, I mean, right off... Right offhand, I mean, I can't just pinpoint one thing, but I'm definitely learning from each one on how to make the next one easier, more, you know, save time and things like that. Um, One of the new things that I'm working on, which will be part of the MX Rehab, will be um, zinc plating. So I will be doing all my own um, re-zinking of the hardware, stripping it and plating it. I'm looking forward to getting that up and going probably in the next oh, four to six weeks. Fair enough. So ever expanding, like what what would you say are some of the most common hurdles that you encounter when uh, when taking on a, uh, a restoration, if you will, or a rehab project uh, when it comes to uh, taking a bike that's, for the most part, usually most of the bikes that you work on are about 20, 25 years old, uh, and bringing them back to uh, like where they were kind of at their prime? Um, worn, worn components. Um, that's, that's the biggest thing. Um, you always figure that you're going to have to have the cylinder replated. Every single one of them you buy, cylinder is going to be replated. So figure right off the bat, as soon as you buy a bike, no matter what you paid for, add 200 bucks to the top of the price. Um, 
engine case damage. You know, you never, you can never tell on a greasy engine case whether it's cracked or damaged um, without doing a full inspection. So it's things like that that always kind of scare me and worry me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've run into to swing arm bearings. People uh, don't ever grease the swing arm bearings, and then they're completely um, roached out, and then they'll start to, you know, egg shape or wallow, wallow out the, um, the swing arm itself or um, most recently on one, the chain ro- ro- uh, wore all the way through the chain slider and then into the swing arm and you could see the bearings through the swing arm so I mean that was that was garbage so it's, it's always the hidden things that you can never never necessarily count on um, as you can tell, most of these things that I pick up are in pretty pretty poor condition. Um, I go strictly visually. It's the frame there, the frame straight. Um, you know, try to try to inspect it for cracks as best I can without uh, you know sandblasting it. Just make sure all the engine components are there. Now for the rest of it, you know, wheels and tires don't care. Um, if the spokes are broke or the, the wheels are broke I don't care as long as the hubs are there because I'm going to throw everything else away anyway plastic same thing I'm throwing it away I don't care um, bars that stuff going to be missing you know I don't care all that stuff's getting replaced so uh, as long as I have the the heart and uh, the chassis I'm good to go fair enough and speaking of plastics you picked up a 1997 uh, CR-125. Poor little thing. Uh, looked a little different when you first picked it up. Uh, tell us a little bit about the plastics that uh, you actually were able to sell off of this thing, believe it or not. But uh, uh, it was probably a very ghoulish-looking bike prior to you getting your hands on it. Yes. Somebody had hydro-dipped all of the plastic, um, including the gas tank. And actually, believe it or not, this is the second bike that I picked up with hydro-dipped plastic, and beyond me why they would ever do it, it was the ugliest thing I'd ever seen, but uh, yeah, plastic went straight into the trash can, and I'd actually posted a little clip on my Instagram page about that, and somebody hit me up and said, hey, I'd take that, so I said, George, you pay the shipping on it, it's yours, so uh, it actually went out in a box today on UPS going to Florida. Boom, that's awesome, yeah, like, Someone getting them, getting ha- their hands on some hydro-dipped uh, plastics. Like I'm sure, like to you, they did something that's like, just god awful, and to somebody else, they just like that's the look I've been searching for all my life. There it is. So, well, what's the plan for this uh, CR125? It's uh, the last uh, of the steel-framed uh, CR125s that Honda made back in 1997. Um, like, uh, and, and based on like original inspection, you, you're like, there's no, there's no motor to speak of, but, uh, what, what do you think is going to be the most difficult part about your build? Um, I, at this point, don't see any hurdles with it. Um, everything's going smoothly. Everything's been, uh, pretty, pretty straight. Um, no issues to speak of. Um, Yes, it was missing a motor. Um, I picked the bike up, basically a full rolling chassis. Uh, I've got a motor located, so I'm not worried about that at all. Um, as soon as I get it, I'll be stripping it all apart, sending it all out to K3 restoration for full vapor blasting, and then I will get it back and completely go through it, put a wrench rabbit kit in it, and call that good. Um, as far as a, a theme bike, well... 
Um, I'm not going to do your your typical 95 or 96, you know, Jeremy McGrath or Steve Lampson bike. I'm actually going a little Scott outside Sheik. the box. That's exactly right. Going with a Chic-esque HRC replica. Got well, my, that's going to be uh, great, guy. KJ. Metal, Got metal. the guy at Unbounded, uh, Unbounded uh, Designs in the UK working on designing those right now. And uh, just waiting on an uh, email back for seat cover, and we'll be good to go. Absolutely. Now, let's let's talk about that for half a second here. And that that's some, to me, is one of the most difficult parts of doing these builds um, because it, it's honestly what people probably look at the most once they once the bike is complete. Of course, uh, all of the the polishing and the the different uh, like when you get your um, your cases blasted and stuff like that. That stuff always looks good, but people are always looking at the graphic kit for any uh, like inconsistencies with the original kit and stuff like that. How important is it to have a graphic company that uh, it can be flexible, will make changes when needed, uh, match what you were looking for to begin with, and actually follow through with what they wanted? Because I know I've ran into problems with it. I know you've ran into problems with it over the years. Coming into it like these businesses that uh, they do great work, they have the ability to to, uh, to design whatever you want, but the reality is, is if you can find a company that's actually willing to do the work for you, and uh, uh, in a lot of these cases, it's uh, a lot of really custom work, because um, you're looking for something very specific, and it can't be wrong. Yeah, exactly. Um, especially with this particular one, um, 100% did the original um, graphics and seat cover in 97. Well, 100% no longer makes graphics or seat covers. So um, I kind of had to think outside the box a little bit. Um, Lewis at Unbounded has been doing an amazing job on my graphics for me, and I've given him the task to uh, design these. Now, seat cover-wise, depends on which race you look at. Um, Scott Sheik ran three different seats that year, so it was uh, it was a pretty easy decision for me on which one to go with. Um, the so, easiest one? the easiest one because it was about the only one that was available. So um, going forward, um, you know, I might, uh, I'm still going to keep my eyes open for the uh, the most unique one. And when I find one, I will, uh, I'll swap them out. But for right now, um, all the pictures I have all seem to have uh, the seat that I'm ordering up and it'll uh, look just like his bike when it's done. Well, there you go, and I understand that uh, that Shiki is still uh, still still riding a little bit. I think he's on Kawasaki 450s lately. But uh, if you were to get a hold of this guy, and uh, I don't know, you probably don't live that very close to up to where he lives. But um, I know you're a fan of any time that you do a build like this, uh, that the the athlete that inspires the build actually get an opportunity to either see the bike or, uh, in some cases, even ride it when it comes to uh, Project 67. Yes, um, you know, didn't even. I don't even know that I'm necessarily going to try to reach out. Okay. Um, I just like that style of bike, and uh, to be honest, I was just going for something different. So, um, it'll probably still have my number on it. Probably, uh, probably not going to be. I don't know. I haven't got that far into it yet. We'll see. Um, didn't uh, don't know a lot about his past or anything like that. Just. Uh, that was that was the obvious choice for me to to do a, a bike different than anybody else. Um, be honest with you, my first uh, first thought on this bike was going to be 
um, the 97 Honda of Troy bike. Okay. But uh, some of those parts are pretty unobtainable. And, um, I mean, to be honest, I already did a Honda of Troy bike. So it's like, eh, I don't really need to do another. Um, second thought was to do a uh, Brian Deegan Team Chaparral bike. Okay. Yep. That would have been good uh, as well. Finding these old seat covers and or having these old seat covers replicated is um, quite difficult. Um, I am going to be uh, working on another project uh, down the road here, um, and I'm going to start getting a seat cover designed for that. Um, I've been talking to a couple different guys around the industry, say they can print the, uh, the sides, how the old seats would have been, and then I would just have to send them off to a seat company and have the seats stitched. Um, all this would have to be done in conjunction with the graphics guy. So I'd have to send the seat sides to the graphics company, have everything matched up. When I get it back, send the seat pieces back off to the seat manufacturer to make a seat. So there's a lot of uh, a lot of working pieces to, to all come together, but we'll get there. Absolutely. And it all comes together because of your patience. Have you ever uh, spoke to, uh, I believe it's Scott Dennison over at Seat Concepts? That guy has been able to replicate some pretty difficult seat covers over the years. I think uh, that might be someone that I should uh, connect with, uh, connect to you or connect with you. He actually reached out to me, so that's, ah, that's kind of where, where, where we're at. There you go. Like uh, honestly, because the guy just did a uh, um, basically a redo of a, I believe it is uh, Greg Schnell's 2001 YZ125, and we talked about one off air, but that's completely different. In uh, the complete redo, it's actually it is one of uh, Greg's. 125s from that year, going to get a full rebuild, and uh, David Pingry is going to ride it for Racer X. Hope I'm not uh, um, bursting anyone's bubble or releasing anything prior to, but get uh, look look forward to that, guys. But uh, the the seat cover that they built for that particular bike uh, is absolutely one of a kind. Looks great, and uh, Seat Concepts does an amazing job with that. Yes, yes, they do. Uh, yeah, I've seen that bike. I've seen pictures of it, and it's uh, it's a phenomenal bike. For sure, and on top of that, they, they, uh, Seat Concepts does seat foam, seat bases as well. Uh, for more more of the, I, I wouldn't say they do a lot of seat bases for the uh, the retro model stuff that you work on, but uh, definitely mm-hmm. maybe some foam. If you uh, happen to come across a bike that uh, got washed and washed and washed and over and over again, and the seat foam was garbage, those guys seem to have an, uh, a knack for being able to replicate some really cool stuff. I know they did some special stuff for uh, the uh, Rocky Mountain ATV MC KTM uh, team when they were running the those seat covers last year. Yeah, they did a military themed yes. bike a couple, couple of years ago. Yeah. Yep. Those were pretty cool. Um they were on eBay actually. Um I was trying to get my hands on one and couldn't get it done. Ah, it's like it's it's all about who you know. I was actually able to get uh, one made up for a friend of mine, uh, Brandon Beaver, down in California. He was in the uh, the Navy, and uh, they also did uh, a blue digital camo one. And uh, I had them. uh, I'm like, "Ah, do you guys have any extra material? And they actually made him an extra one for his bike, his Suzuki, uh, specially. So that was pretty cool. Well, nice. Yeah, but uh, so let's, let's get back to your work a little bit. Uh, at one point, uh, and I guess uh, it, it might now leave your fleet, but uh, 
KX125, KX252 stroke, and the KX500. Before we get into the 500, tell me a little bit about discovering and then obtaining this uh, unicorn, as we've, we've ta talked about it over text, uh, a KX252 stroke that for the most part was barely ridden, completely OEM, stock tires the whole nine yards, uh, and you're actually going to put some time on this thing. Oh, yeah, I already have. Um, it's probably one of my favorite bikes in my fleet right now. Um, I had my KTM 525 for sale on Craigslist. Um, I had it for sale or trade for a YZ252 stroke. Some guy hit me up via text and said, hey, I'm interested in your bike. I've got a YZ250F. Would you be interested in trading? I'm like, nah, no, I'm not really looking for, for another four-stroke. But I said, you know, shoot me a picture of it. I'm, I'll, I'll shoot. You know, I'll look at it. Well, in the background sets this KX250. And I said, I have to have it. And uh, he replies with, well, that one's not for sale. Well, long story short. Everything's for it's sale. Mine. <laughs> it's mine. <laughs> so, yes, I have a very low-hour... I don't know how many owner, uh, it's, you know, probably three, four owner now by the, all the times it's changed hands, but a very low hour 1995 KX250. I couldn't be happier about it. No doubt. And uh, you throw the 572 on the panels and uh, and take it for a rip. Like this thing is going to be a bit of a daily driver for you uh, for the rest of the summer until you get your fingers into it uh, in, into the winter months. But uh, tell us about a little bit of how she rides. Uh, like, And uh, was there any work that you needed to do to kind of like get the carb cleaned out and get the thing ready to rip before you uh, took it out? Or, or was it pretty much uh, race ready? No, I mean, it had been sitting for so long. I, I pulled the top end off. It actually came with a, a fresh piston. So I was like, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to chance it. So I pulled the top end off and uh, put a fresh piston in it and uh, pulled the carb off, completely rebuilt the carb with a all balls carb kit, stuck it back together. I think the thing started on like the second kick and um, loaded it up and actually went to Missouri and Wrote it for the first time on a big natural train track down there, and it's great. Um, we hadn't had any rain here for quite a while, so everything was pretty, pretty dry and pretty marbly. But it, it uh, no, I loved it. It was great. So it uh, quickly moved up the ladder as one of my favorites. You know it. I, I, I honestly super jealous that you have this in your uh, your like the the collection. Uh, anytime that you can have matching one twenty five two fifties, and I realize that I have my o four o five matching KX to one twenty five two fifties. But uh, like the thing is, I want them all, Matt. I just want them all. Um, and, I know, me too. Yeah, I'm sure in your position, you're 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 well into that. Uh, uh, addiction but uh on top of that then comes the kx500 to basically complete the, the whole set of uh, of big bikes from that era um and uh, and that one was a pretty special build on uh, um, among all of them i think that might might be one of the the the, the nicest builds that you have yeah it definitely turned out to be the nicest build i've ever done um i literally picked that bike up in boxes when i got there there was Wheels laying in the front yard, frame was laying in the front yard, engine was sitting on a, on the curb basically, and everything else was in a box or two. Um, went home, just kind of went over everything, checked it all out, and uh, started on it from there. Um, kind of got uh, got a bad taste in my mouth because every time I would 
touch a wrench to it, it cost me a couple hundred bucks. So I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to sit on this for a while. I put it back underneath my bench. And uh, St. Louis Supercross last year, this year, um, one of my buddies ran into Robbie Raynard himself and started talking. And long story short, uh, ended up putting Robbie in contact with me about wanting to to ride my bike and use it as a uh, a practice bike for the the vet MXDN. So I started making some phone calls and getting some people to help me and get some parts coming, and we started building this bike. And um, that's kind of where Project 67 came from. Um, several weeks went by. I hadn't heard anything back at a out of Robbie, and one day on my way to work, I get a phone call from him. He says, hey, I've got some bad news, and I'm like, oh, no. And, uh, I mean, for him, it's great news. Um, he found out his, him and his wife were pregnant, and she was due about the time he was supposed to be in England, so he right. he put off going. And I'm like, well, that, that's, you know, that's fine. That's great. You know, congratulations for you. And uh, he went ahead and agreed to uh, still, you know, ride the bike, get some pictures, you know, maybe some video or something uh, to, to help me out with all my sponsors and stuff. People have donated time and parts and everything else. And uh, he's uh, been very, very uh, good about that. And now he's seen the bike and he's actually, uh, he, he's a, a big fan of it. And um, I think he would like to purchase it. So um, it's going to be getting loaded up and going to Oklahoma in a couple weeks. There you go. So uh, actually being able to ride it and uh, a bike that you probably haven't, uh, other than maybe starting it up and, uh, and all that, uh, get the thing uh, race ready for this guy to uh, Robbie Raynard, a, a guy who I think he, he's almost an athlete that's like he exists in like folklore of motocross. For a guy who didn't win, never won a Supercross, won plenty of outdoor nationals on a 125. I don't think he has a 250 outdoor, outdoor win, but just like mm-hmm. the consensus – on Robbie Rayner that if you were able to watch him ride, one of the best ever, and uh, uh, maybe a, a talent that we never got to see his full potential, but uh, yeah, unbelievable talent, and it's cool that you're going to be able to hand-deliver that to him, and uh, and if he likes the way she rides, you might uh, come home with an empty truck. Yeah, that's, that's the, well, I don't know I'd say that. Um, he's got a bike for sale that I'd like to, ah. to, to, to work out a trade with, but uh Potentially yes. Um, I've I've put all my my hard time, work, and effort into this thing to, to hopefully he'll uh, he'll appreciate it as much as I do. And uh, you know, if we can't come to terms, but he you know he's still gonna ride it. That's that's good enough for me. That's cool, man. That is really, really cool. I, I know you're looking forward to that. Um, and uh, and that's kind of like uh, like that. Those are the types of bikes that you're going to find on uh, MX Rehab, a brand new page that you started basically just to give a home to all of your work and, and uh, that people can see all the stuff that you've been doing. So uh, like obviously they can, they can follow along, but in the future they'll be able to uh, say they want to do a build. They've been wanting to do one of those like a, a Ricky Carmichael 01 bike or a, a, a James Stewart 2002 125, something along those lines. You'd have the ability to, uh, to help them out with that and uh, that's what you're going to be able to do for some of your clients. Yeah, no, uh, certainly. Um, actually, my very first bike that uh, I've already kind of got most of it at my house is a 75 Elsinore. Wow. And uh, another another shop had previously started on it and since went out of business. And so now I have a 
um, partially restored 75 Elsinore that I get to finish. So kind of, kind of looking forward to that, got a little nervous, but, uh, it'll be fun. It'll be fine. So then, uh, got a couple other people that have contacted me about doing stuff, but, uh, right now, biggest thing is it seems like engine work. I've got uh, a couple engines lined up to do and, um, most exciting part for me is to help my restoration out is uh, zinc plating, getting into doing uh, zinc plating. That's going to be uh, one of the big things. So buying hardware, replacing hardware on these bikes can get pretty costly. And uh, now I have the ability to strip them and replay them so they look new and save a lot of time and money on hardware. There you go. Well, uh, congratulations on that, my friend. If you ever do find a Suzuki RM125 from two, ni- from 1975, you need to let me know because I want to purchase it. Um, but uh, yeah, Matt Weller, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show, my friend. Um, obviously, uh, you're, you do a lot of work with uh, the different companies that uh, I always forget the name of the like the parent company. Uh, parent company is. Uh Arrowhead uh, used to be Arrowhead Electrical Products. Uh, it's now Arrowhead Engineering Products. Um, we've got a, a, a you know, blanket of companies, but uh, you know, most most importantly, the ones that we deal with here would be um, Vertex Pistons, Hot Cams, Hot Rods, Cylinder Works. Um, I'm sure I'm missing one. Hot Rods, Hot Cams, Vertex Pistons, Cylinder Works, and uh, we've got uh, Pivot Works and All Balls, and then also uh, we're the distributor for Super Sprocks, Sprockets in the United States. There you go, my friend. Well, all those businesses need my listeners to uh, to show them some love because uh, thanks so much to Matt for, for taking some company time to uh, to chat a little bit about his work. And uh, Matt, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show, my friend. Yeah, I appreciate it. I always enjoy coming on. Cool, man. Well, uh, before I let you go, uh, give me your thoughts on this uh, this outdoor national series, both 250s and 450s. 250s, we've got like a two-horse race, kind of, because uh, just about everyone is either hurt or uh, underperforming. Uh, like your second place in points right now is in, probably, in, in his own opinion, underperforming to his abilities. That's Alex Martin. And uh, out front right now is... Uh, is AP? He's, he's uh, he, like kind of the class of the field so far that hasn't either uh, bowed out due to uh, a back injury or uh, a shoulder injury, like uh, Zach Osborne getting ready for four fifties. Yeah, it's been a silly kind of a weird season so far. Um, we did the uh, intro pod, and I had kind of placed uh, Osborne, J Mart, and A Mart as my top three, uh, you know, title. Yeah, contenders. Well, now we're down to, to Amart is uh, still hanging on, so um, he still has a chance. Um, I still think uh, Plessinger can throw it away, so we'll see. Um, I don't know what to think about this weekend. I don't. I just. I don't know who uh, who to put up there. Um, I would almost say McElrath has the best shot coming in off of a, a high from winning last weekend. Mm-hmm. So I don't. I don't. I don't know who to. To throw my money at right now, but uh, I think for the 450 class, you can't count out Tomac. We've seen what he's done the last two years on that track, so yeah, I think he's the clear winner. Oh yeah, barring I think, any sort of mechanical or you know injury. I think so too. It's uh, he's five for five right now in overalls. Uh, I think he makes it six for six, and I think that he wraps it up two rounds early 
it's not close in the 450 class. And uh, in a lot of ways, um, like it, injuries are, have been the biggest thing as well as just sort of like circumstances where uh, other riders who otherwise would be close to the top 10 are just taking the summer off or they don't race outdoors. Malcolm Stewart, Chad Reed, Justin Brayton. Uh, tons of guys like, like Vince Freeze, guys that normally would be you'd find them in the top ten are just straight up not out there, and uh, it is uh, it's pretty shocking to watch. It's basically a race between about nine guys every single time, and of course, yeah, there's another. I don't want to discredit the other 31 guys on the gate, but uh, it's just a completely different class of, of rider when it comes to uh, the abilities. Like often when you look at like the the lap times and the stretch between, like it's literally like pretty close back to like around nine. And then there's sometimes as much as like a 40 second gap from ninth back to tenth, and then on on backwards it's tight, it's tighter again. It's uh, it's almost there's like a uh, like a Miranda line right in the middle of the or right at the uh, the, the the top ten where uh, the, the rest of the guys just they're not there. Yeah, no, I mean what was it two weekends ago? Um, Tomac and uh, Moscan put 40 seconds back to third place. I mean, yeah. wow. So, and I mean, that was Ken Roxon and Ken Roxon is, you know, one of the best writers in the world and mm-hmm. they put 40 seconds on him. So yeah, your top, top two, top three are just on a different level than everybody else for sure. You bet they are. What? Really appreciate you coming on the show, my friend. Wanted to get your thoughts on some uh, some nationals as well as talk a little bit about what you're doing with uh, in your your man cave in your garage, where I'm sure you spend plenty of time. Uh, but yeah, I really appreciate you coming on, my friend. Uh, probably took a little bit longer than I, I probably told you, but I always do. No, it's uh, all good. It's all good. I appreciate <laughs> you having me on. Yeah, man. But uh, we'll have you on again soon. Always a pleasure. Don't hang up just yet. But for podcast sake, we'll cut it off right there.